Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. Remember when we thought the Packers could run the table and at least get into the playoffs and give us as fans some hope? Well, that got thrown out the window yesterday. We'll talk about that Packer loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks are thriving right now in some home cooking, and Marquette gets ready to start Big East play. The Badgers, not till Friday in a non-conference matchup, will get into some college basketball as well. All of that coming up on this episode of the 414 Sports Podcast, powered by Sewer Ninjas, presented by Mako of New Berlin. Here we go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. To another edition of the 414 Sports Podcast, powered by Sewer Ninjas, presented by Mako Auto Body Shop and Painting in New Berlin. I'm Don Wachillas. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other platforms that we currently reside on. We're always glad that you kick off your week with us as we cover sports here in the 414 and the state of Wisconsin as well. Our thanks to Mako Auto Body Shop and Painting for jumping on board with our podcast. You'll find Mako in New Berlin at 2775 South, 166th Street. You can give them a call at 262-649-4737 to book an appointment, or you can do it online. Go to mako.com to get all of the information. The staff and crew there at Mako in New Berlin do great work. So in case you need something done to your auto, make sure you head over to Mako Auto Body Shop and Painting in New Berlin. As I noted in the pre-opening to the opening, whatever I want to call it right now on this Monday morning, a lot to get to here, and we have to start with the Green Bay Packers. It was not that long ago. Just a couple of weeks ago, after you get the win against the Chargers, the win against the Lions, and then a huge Sunday night win, a 27-19 win over the defending Super Bowl champions, that being the Kansas City Chiefs, we had visions of sugar plums dancing in our heads, apparently, because the idea of now running the table, even in the NFL, or going 4-1 and one down the stretch, was seemingly plausible for this Green Bay Packer team. And you knew this was not a team that was going to make a Super Bowl run this year. But the idea of getting into the playoffs, the idea of having 
a Jordan Love, that young receiving crew, and other members of that team get the experience of what it is like to get into the postseason was going to be extremely valuable moving forward with this particular incarnation of the Green Bay Packers. If you think back to the 90s when Brett Favre made his way into stardom, there were steps along the way. It wasn't that Brett Favre came into the league All of a sudden, the Packers were in the Super Bowl. There was a process that took place. That same process hopefully will happen with Jordan Love at the helm. And one of the ways you get through that process is by first finding this young team in a playoff scenario. And yet, since that win against the Chiefs, it was a Monday night against the New York Giants in which they lose 24-22. to And then you say, okay, you get those games, right? Those games happen and and we'll bounce back. And so maybe instead of going 5-0, and we'll go 4-1. and And then yesterday, they lay a complete egg at home at Lambeau against Tampa Bay. That defense made Baker Mayfield look like Joe Montana. As the Packers, again, lose 34-20, to there isn't a whole lot to be said that hasn't been said before. We go through the same scenario seemingly week after week when it comes to a loss. Now, when we look at the defense, and that's where we have to start, I'm listening to the postgame show on 97.3, the game with Drew Olson and Bill Schmidt. They do a great job on the radio statewide on the Packer Network, uh, letting people kind of vent when when the Packers lose, celebrate when the Packers win, and try to put some parameters around things. The overwhelmingly number of calls that came in looking for Joe Barry to exit stage left was telltaling. And I get why Bill Schmidt in in the, the portions that I was able to listen to was, you know, pushing back a little bit. And and I will be the first to say I'm not one that always want to run people out the door because it's ridiculous. We, we knee-jerk reaction things all the time. But I think now there is a resume in place for Joe Barry and the style of defense that he's running with this current slate of players. It's not working. It is not working. That soft zone that the Packers are seemingly in 24-7, seemingly 24-7, is not working. The Packers have allowed the likes of Tommy Tevito to look like a star with the New York Giants. Again, we had Baker Mayfield yesterday looking like Joe Montana. Baker Mayfield and Tommy Tevito against this Joe Barry offense. Now, this is combined in the last two weeks are 39 of 49 for 539 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, with a quarterback rating of 146.5. That, to me, should tell you everything there. And I know yesterday the pushback was, well, what about that Joe Barry defense against the Kansas City Chiefs? I'll even go back to the San Diego Chargers. Take those two games. Two big wins for the Green Bay Packers kind of got some momentum going, especially when they ended up going to Detroit on Thanksgiving. So you got two nice wins, or I shouldn't say going to Detroit, sandwiched in there, but you got two nice wins with the Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Think back to that Charger game. Think back how many drop passes the Chargers had. How many wide open receivers. If you DVR'd that game, I ask you to go back and watch it again and watch how many times there were receivers wide open, especially in the middle of the field with this Green Bay Packers zone, and they dropped the ball. If the Chargers catch maybe two of those passes, they win that game. Then you go to Kansas City at home, but let's look at what the Kansas City receiving core has been this year. That receiving core has been under scrutiny all year long. The number of passes that have been dropped, again, from Patrick Mahomes' thrown footballs has been the telltale sign as to why the Kansas City Chiefs have not had necessarily the dominance that they've had in years past. So if you want to push back and say, well, you know, what about the defense against those teams? I think you take another step back and look at how those teams gifted the defense some of their errants and in doing so gave the Packers the opportunity to win it's it's a soft zone that Joe Barry likes to play it's not working now you can't go out then and find a coordinator who wants to completely flip things because you've built this defense in such a fashion to play a particular scheme so you've got to find someone who runs a similar scheme so you can plug these players in accordingly. You can't flip from a 4-3 to a 3-4 to a 2-5, whatever it is they like to do now in certain long-distance situations. You've got to make sure whoever you bring in fits schematically with the players that you have because you've invested a ton. The whole blueprint for this season was to build a defense because you knew Jordan Love would struggle. And yet Jordan Love yesterday looked pretty doggone good. But we knew Jordan Love would struggle in his first year. So if you build a defense, if you can put a defense on the field that will keep you in ball games, a defense on the field that will give the offense the ball back and allow the likes of Jordan Love and that young receiving core more reps to continue to grow and build, that would put you in a great situation to win some games. And yet it's the defense where all of your investments have been seemingly, especially in the early rounds of the draft, that hasn't lived up to whatever standard you put in. I don't know what that standard is anymore. I also want to think back to last season. Think back towards the end of last season when Joe Barry's defense struggled. Go back two seasons. Go back to the the defenders elbowing a trainer in the ribs and getting a penalty, the silly penalties that have happened, all of these things, I guess what I'm getting at is it's all been under Joe Barry's watch. This has nothing to do with Joe Barry as an individual. He might he might be the greatest father, grandfather, church-going individual on the face of this earth. But right now, that defense, as it is construed in Green Bay, is not working. And I don't think it's the Packer way to necessarily think that somehow later today we're going to get a headline, the breaking news ticker will fly underneath on ESPN that suddenly we've made a change at the coordinator position. I don't think that's going to be the case. But listening to Matt LaFleur in his presser after the game, 
there is definitely frustration with this defense and how schematically things are going. The lack of pressure. When you do get pressure, who's in the second level in case the guy breaks free? All of these questions come into play, but they seemingly come into play week after week after week. So again, we're going to be stuck with a Joe Barry defense now for the next three weeks. You've got a game at Carolina, a game at Minnesota, and then home against Chicago. And again, last week, two weeks, I should say two weeks ago, we were looking at the potential of running the table, beating the Giants, beating Tampa, especially because we were at home. Carolina, oh dear goodness, a train wreck ready to happen. The only game, and I'll say it again, that frightens me of the next three is Minnesota in Minneapolis. That has been a horror story for the Green Bay Packers in recent years. So to think that that is an automatic win was never necessarily on the docket. That's where my question mark would always be and still is when we thought at least about a 5-0 run going down the backstretch of the schedule. But now we're sitting at such a point where in these last three, you hope to go 2-1. and one. And the crazy part is there's still a chance with Atlanta losing yesterday. If it comes down to the Packers in Atlanta, Atlanta gets the bid because Atlanta has the head-to-head matchup. It's when you get a bunch of teams and you have to have all these various scenarios that come into play as far as a tiebreaker goes that the Packers have the upper leg because of divisional play. But that will only come in uh, and be a real factor if they could beat Minnesota and beat Chicago, which the way they looked yesterday defensively doesn't look at all like it could be the case. At all like it could be the case. The problem is that we're focused right now defensively and we're looking at a team defensively that we needed with the growth of Jordan Love. And yet Jordan Love yesterday looked good. I mean... Jordan Love, I'll say it again, has this propensity to just look calm out there, to look as if I can handle anything. You throw what you want to throw at me. I don't get ruffled. I don't know what like Jordan Love is like you know, behind the scenes. But he looked decent yesterday. And the offense didn't necessarily look horrific. It didn't look great, but it didn't look horrific. It's the defense. And unfortunately, it's the defense right now that is just standing out. The other thing I think that could be said as well is we said it last week or last time um, on our episode is the fact that we're looking at the special teams. Rich Basaccia, who was brought in to flip it because the special teams were rolling dumpster fire a couple years ago. And quite honestly, they continue to be a rolling dumpster fire even this year. We have not gotten production out of our special teams the way I think we should have or can. And it's been another factor in this this mix of what has been a, a bit of a, a cardiac season where we ride the highs as high as they go and the lows as low as they go. But let's leave on some positivity. Jordan Love, he'll go 29 of 39, 284 yards. He has a rating of 111 and a half. Again, great? No. Terrible? Definitely not. So Jordan Love continues to improve, and he made some throws yesterday. He made some throws that, my goodness, 
their highlight reel throws for the end of the year. And and it's frustrating to see Jordan Love make the strides that he has. And yeah, he had a bad game against New York. The entire team had a bad game against New York, including the coaching staff, the play calling, the whole nine yards. But to see him continue to progress has been somewhat refreshing as this season goes through. The problem again, Joe Barry and that defense. So we'll wait and see what transpires this week. I don't think we're going to hear any news, but you never know. The NFL can be fickle that way as the Packers now get ready to travel to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, the Bucks are thriving on some home cooking. We'll get to that in just a sec. Welcome back in. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, who have been on a bit of a streak, thriving on some home cooking. The Bucks last night, as we put this podcast together, take down the Houston Rockets 128 to 119. Giannis now becomes the all-time leading rebounder for the Milwaukee Bucks, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Giannis in the game against Houston finishes with 26. Chris Middleton has 20. Brooke Lopez with 28. And Dame Lillard finishes the night with 39. So we get a number of bucks, including Bobby Portis with 11. So you've got, what, five bucks in double figures, which is a good sign for this team as it looks finally as if they're starting to hit their stride. Now, in the next segment, when we talk about college basketball, I'm going to talk about a game that happened back on December 2nd that I think was a deciding factor for two teams in this state. I will say the same thing about the Milwaukee Bucks. When the Milwaukee Bucks lost to the Indiana Pacers in Vegas in the in-season tournament, it got personal. And you saw it get personal when they then played the Pacers last week here at the Pfizer Forum, you know, the argument over the basketball at the end of the game. Things got heated, some pushing, some shoving, some yelling, the whole nine yards. I would argue it wasn't about the basketball. It was about the fact that the Bucks felt, in my opinion, disrespected by a very young and talented Indiana Pacer team when they were playing in the in-season tournament. Listen, the Pacers played that in-season tournament with a whole lot of swag, and the Bucks couldn't match it in Vegas in that crazy 4 o'clock start uh, afternoon game in that semifinal matchup. But that being said, that to me at least right now, for this particular portion of the season, was a bit of a wake-up call to this team. That with all this veteran talent that this roster possesses, that a young upstart in the Indiana Pacers came in and absolutely dominated you at every phase of the game. And I think the likes of Giannis, Dame, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, you can go right down the list. I think those guys took that to heart and took it personally, and vowed at this point at least to be like, you know what, enough. It's time to get our you-know-what together and let's get this thing going. 
And since that, even with what I don't know what we call it, a ball gate or whatever it was that took place at the Pfizer Forum over over the basketball when Giannis went for sixty four, it was more to me about them pushing back and them being the Bucks, like pushing back, big brother on little brother, like listen, you you got one on us, but we we're not taking that anymore. This is us. This is who we are. This is a veteran team that should be a dominant factor in the Eastern Division with an opportunity to play for an NBA championship, and we aren't letting some upstart young franchise, I shouldn't say franchise, but a franchise with a number of young players that in the Indiana Pacers come in and do what you did as far as that being in Vegas. I think that will be the line in the sand. Keep an eye on that. See how this run goes. Because for a lot of basketball fans, even though I think that in-season tournament brought more eyes and more attention into the NBA, most fans now, once we get to Christmas Day, when we have the NBA all day long, the NBA dominating Christmas Day, once we get to that point, now you start to get more of the casual fan looking on board. And some of the casual fans won't understand what has transpired here in the last couple of weeks. But keep that semifinal game in mind, and let's see what the Bucks do. We'll make that the line in the sand, and we'll see how the record goes, let's say, through the middle part of January. Because I think that was a deciding factor in how this team now seems to be putting it together. Rotationally seems to look better. They look better on the floor, like they're understanding each other's games. We knew this was going to take time. I mean, as fans, once Dame Lillard decided to come to Milwaukee, it was start printing championship banners because that's who we are. We're fans. We just feel like we've got that piece. Now we're off and running, and who's going to stop us? Well, we play 82 games. There are going to be some losses, and that's been evident, especially as this team tries to find its way, tries to find its rhythm, tries to find spacing and giving each of those individual players an opportunity to show their talent, so to speak, with each other. Everybody knows what Giannis can do or Chris can do or Brooke can do or Dame can do. Everybody gets it. But getting it together on the floor and making it happen game after game, that's where the chemistry comes into play. And it seems like the chemistry is starting to get right. So now we get a a seemingly big game tomorrow night as Victor Webinyama comes to the Fiserv Forum for the first time in his professional career. San Antonio not playing very well, very young, but Victor Webinyama has become the face of the NBA early on here. So if you get an opportunity, head down to the Pfizer Forum because it will be his first opportunity to showcase his talents here Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. Com. All right, college basketball will round things out here on this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. Again, before we get out of here, my thanks to you for always checking in and listening to our podcast, which we throw out on Monday mornings. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Our thanks as well to Sewer Ninjas 
and Mako Auto Body and Collision of New Berlin for being sponsors on our podcast. Much appreciated. So when we talk about college basketball here in the state of Wisconsin, we see that the Marquette Golden Eagles now getting ready to start Big East play. That will happen tomorrow on Tuesday evening. The seventh-ranked team in the country will head to Providence to take on the Friars to open things up. And then they're at home on Friday as Georgetown will come to visit at the Pfizer Forum. Out west, all right, not very west, but Madison-wise, the UW uh, team, the Badgers, will be taking on Chicago State Friday. Don't poo-poo any time a Chicago State or, for instance, the other night Marquette had a had a battle against St. Thomas of Minnesota. Mid-majors, it's a different ball game when we talk about basketball than football. These aren't always necessarily rollover games. These are the types of teams that are going to come in and battle you. Why? Because you get a Chicago State team that last week beat Northwestern. That's a Northwestern team that took down the number one team in Purdue in overtime not too long ago. So for a team like Chicago State to go into Northwestern and get that win, boy, that goes a long way, not only with the psyche of the team, but for recruiting down the line. So that Chicago State team is going to be confident and still hungry coming into the Cole Center on Friday to take on the Badgers. The same was said about St. Thomas of Minnesota, who was taking on Marquette last week. Marquette comes away with a five-point win, 84-79, against St. Thomas, but St. Thomas in the same fashion. Only a couple of years ago, joining the Division I ranks coming up uh, in divisions, they're playing these games as if it is their NCAA championship. So the likes of St. Thomas being at Fiserv Forum, again, they're going to play like no one's tomorrow because of the fact that, again, if as far as recruiting purposes, look, you can go now to, to a recruit and say, we play the likes of Marquette or UWM, whatever the case may be, and we give these guys a run for their money. We took the number seventh ranked team in the country to the wire. That goes a long way for recruiting. So again, Basketball a little different than football. Sometimes we get those directional teams that roll into Camp Randall for a football game, and you can almost guarantee the fact that the Badgers are going to roll them over because the talent discrepancy is so great, at least when it comes to football. Basketball, not always the case. So let me get back to where I was going. December 2nd, that will be my line in the sand for Marquette and the Badgers. And that being this, it was when Marquette traveled to the Cole Center, ranked three, I believe, at the time in the country, and the Badgers get the win. And since that point, there are two things that have been noticeable. Number one, the Badgers have used that as a confidence builder, which has propelled them to win three out of their last four. Yes, they got embarrassed to go down and get whooped by the number one team in the country in Arizona, but who hasn't so far this year? But after beating Marquette, they went on the road and took down a Michigan State team. They beat Jack State last week with Chicago State coming in as they get ready for Big Ten play. Marquette, on the other hand, to me, used that game as, I don't know, a kick in the pants, an eye-opener, in that once Marquette went down and lost to the Badgers, 
they have definitely been playing at a different level. Think about what they did against Texas. Destroyed Texas at home, 86-65, to and that was a top 25 matchup. Then Notre Dame comes into town, which Notre Dame might not be at the same level they've been in the past, but when you talk about a rivalry, Marquette and Notre Dame, rivalry games, you can throw records out the window. And yet Marquette dominated the Fighting Irish 78-59. to And yes, we just got done talking about the close game against St. Thomas, but there's other factors, and we won't bore you with all of that with regards to finals and heading into the holiday season, yada, yada, yada. But take that December 2nd game, and let's see what those two teams do from that point moving forward. Because I think it was one of those games that are going to, in this case, propel both teams. Much like the Bucks and that Indiana game in the semifinals of the play-in tournament and what I believe that will do for this Bucks organization moving forward, I think that Marquette-Wisconsin game will do the same as far as confidence in both teams. I think this Marquette team is highly capable of making a deep run in the NCAA tournament. But every once in a while, you know, if you're reading your press clippings, and I'm making an assumption here that could be right or wrong, you never know what's going to happen. I think that Wisconsin, they can always draw back on that Wisconsin game. A game, quite honestly, I think they should have won. If we just, you know, put it on paper, I think they should have won and didn't. And I think Shaka Smart will use that as one of those defining moments in moving this team forward. And Greg Gard can do the same for his Wisconsin Badgers. Look, this was a team that was ranked number three in the country, if I've got my rankings right again, that came in and I think thought they were just going to you know, dominate us, and yet look what we did to them. We have the ability. There was some interesting comments made by Greg Gard last Friday in their win against Jack State because Connor Asijan is seemingly right now in the doghouse, and Greg Gard just flat out addressed it and said that Connor's not playing defense in the fashion that he needs to and then it was the comment that followed it and I'm paraphrasing in that he said it's a team this year that has much more talent our team last year was okay and I know that's a quote I can use the okay in quotation marks and Connor Asijan could work his way through some of the misgivings defensively that he was having last year on the floor because our team didn't have necessarily the firepower it does this year. I think Greg Gard thinks he's got something special going on in Madison, and I think this Madison group, this Badger group, is going to surprise a few people as we make our way through the Big Ten. So again, let's look at December 2nd as that line in the sand and see how that moves forward in the next few months. Whoa, excuse me. All right, that will do it here for us on this episode of the 414 Sports Podcast. Once again, thanks so much for joining in, listening. Hit that like and subscribe button. I'm Don with Chills. Have yourself a great week. Talk to you next Monday.